You are now listening to High Five the Podcast, a movie podcast where our hosts, Q and J, get together to rank movies, disagree about those rankings, and then play games to put back together the pieces of their shattered friendships. Let's join them now as they broadcast live from the writer's room. All right, so uh, here we are in the writer's room for the very first time. <laughs> we are going to be recording and doing our podcast that we've been talking about for a while now. Oh, 12 that, months. Something, something like that. that we've been super duper duper excited about. So uh, let's jump into it. Let's high five. Should we high five? I think we should high five. Should we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five, high five son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. All right, so here we are, broadcasting live for the first time from the writer's room. Yes. So last time I saw you, we were talking about our lists and what it should be. So I think I came up with a pretty good idea of how to start our inaugural podcast like we had talked about with the top five directorial debuts. We had talked and I had put together a pretty all right list. So basically, so you know kind of what I'm looking at, I went through and pulled what the top five movies for directors that defined their style as a director. So right out of the gate, they knew what they were doing, how they were doing it, and it has continued to be their MO from there forward. Now, they may change genres or whatever, but ultimately, they have a definitive cinematic style or view on their movies. I would agree with that. I would say that that is a necessary trait okay. for a award-worthy, a list-worthy sure. directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people that flounder around for a while. There's a lot of people that leave no legacy behind. Honestly, my list criteria is very, very similar because when you're thinking about directorial debuts – you know, you can't just talk about the movie itself. Right. And that's where a lot of people get wrong is sure. that they have to say, it's like, oh, well, this movie was great. It's like, right. yeah, but in context of career influence, did it matter? You know, wh- right. who cared if that movie was great? We're talking about directors right now. Like, for me, I'm, I'm thinking about the quality of the film right. in question. Okay. I'm thinking about the future career of that director. Was okay. he a one and done? Sure, sure, sure. You know, uh, or and the influence of that film on the genre itself. You know, did it change the style of things that came afterwards because Ooh, of right. how groundbreaking it was? So yeah. I took that into consideration as well. Understood. Yeah, I mean, when I was sitting at home racking my brain about how best to put this list together, because as you can imagine, spoiler alert, every single director has had a directorial debut. What? Yeah. Every single filmmaker has had a first film. So if we're looking at it from a logistical standpoint, that is a shit ton of movies. So I'm many gonna movies. be honest. That is so many that movies. Is a ridiculous <laughs> and daunting and disgusting amount of movies. I counted at least more than twenty six. What? I counted more than twenty six. I had eighteen. I don't know where I wait. <laughs> wait, what? Oh no. All right. Well, all right. Well, I culled from a very small <laughs> list of directors and or movies that have ever been made in the history of cinema history. Uh, to put this list together. So basically, I mean, I, I think we're on the same page as far as what criteria went into choosing our directors. I, I mean, agree. That's what it sounds like. Did you have a hell of a hard time finding five? Yeah, I had like yeah. 10 on this list at first, and it took me so long to narrow down to the top five. Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, I had 18. <laughs> I had 18 to start with. And uh, you because whittled that's down. all there have that's been. That's all there ever. have ever been. Right. That's all the films. <laughs> <laughs> like, what were some of yours that didn't make the list? Um, I will put Ben Affleck's Gone Baby Gone. Okay. That was on there. 
Not on my list. Not on your list? Not on my list. But I'll tell you why. And the reason it wasn't on my list was only because I was not familiar enough and didn't find it to be... Like, when I sit and think about the movies that I've seen, for me, it didn't pop out as this director has got this on lock, right. period. It's like I, a good film. Fantastic film. one of the criteria. Fantastic. For me. Right. But, yeah, I mean, that was definitely one of... And it was a hard cut. It was originally on my list. It was a, it was a super hard cut. How about I have, you? I have a hard cut as well. The hardest one that I cut was This is Spinal Tap by Rob Ryan. Oh, I understand. What a brilliant first movie. And the reason that I cut that one, it's a fantastic movie. It's a fantastic set piece because it really does influence a lot of movies to come after. Oh, yeah. But what it didn't do was it didn't establish how Rob Reiner would film the rest of his career. Right. So it didn't meet all three. And for me, that's one – like I had said, that's kind of one of the reasons that I had to nix – that movie off the Gone Baby Gone off my list is only because I didn't feel there have been enough of his outings yet to decide a definitive style, I right. guess you would say. Yeah. But Spinal Tap, fantastic, fantastic choice. Some I wanted may to say on that list if so you bad. could put it in, in number 11 on your list, I think that that would be... <laughs> I would definitely turn it, it go, up to 11. Because, the, because, I don't know if you know this, but the lists, they can go to 11. They know? can. Right. They can. They can. Nowadays, they can. <laughs> right. Nowadays, because 11 can, is better. Yeah, 11 is better. It is one better than 10. So, um, another one on my list that uh, I had a tough time with, and uh, it honestly met all three of my criteria, uh, but I still had to nix it just because of the wealth of the other choices that I had, but Terrence Malick's Badlands. I wanted that on this list so bad because it truly did establish the sort of art style that he would have later. It really established his work of character building. definitely. And also established what a lot of people would say is his boring style. But, I mean, it was a fantastic film. It was a great film. Sure. And I just don't think that... I mean, it met every criteria. Sure. I just... Well, as you'll see, the ones on the list, they've just done more. I wanted that one on there, and it just barely got edged out. I'll tell you what started on my list, and then we can kick into lists if you want. I would love it. The top five are are where we need to be. (laughs) What started on my list that I I was sad, and this is one that I'm a big fan of personally, Attack the Block. Nice. Joe Cornish's first film. Fantastic Uh, film. I mean, Star uh, Star Wars Force Awakens sort of got a little bit of its heart from that because without that movie John Boyega that's what probably I'm saying. not that's what I'm saying. Saying. and as soon as I saw that movie I was like this guy this guy I'm telling you what, this guy's going to be somebody this to guy watch. This guy's going to have the force. Also, I'm pretty sure he might be a time-traveling Denzel Washington. He might be. A British time-traveling Denzel Washington. Wait, Denzel's not British? No. Oh. Well, I just keep waiting for that one interview <laughs> that maybe he'll just be British in. I think he's Scottish. Okay, all right. That makes sense. I can see the brogue in some of right. those those statements that he makes, you know, like, I am King Kong. Exactly. He ain't got nothing on me. Whatever. Exactly. All right, well, let's just jump into it. All right, number um, five. Because you've got me super peaked on hearing your list. So, five. Do you want me to go? I think you should go. All right, I, I will go. Five. Clerks. Kevin oh, Smith. That's a good one. Clerks and Kevin Smith. And I'll tell you why. Kevin Smith, while his most recent movies may have kind of gone a little off the rails, he kind of like jumped the the, the, the walrus system. He jumped the walrus, <laughs> jumped the walrus. He came out of the gate with a defining voice of the ridiculously mundane. And I cannot tell you enough how many times I've referenced this movie in my personal life. 
just as kind of like, you know, uh, this job would be so much better without customers, <laughs> you know, and it, it just really, he came out with something unique. Now, the movie is not the best as far as from a technical aspect, but it was also done on a complete shoestring budget. Hmm, complete. So it's still also impressive to me that this guy, kind of with no resources whatsoever, put something together. And it's something that can't really be done nowadays, right. I don't think. Anybody can film a movie on their iPhone and, and, and cut it and edit it. But this right. guy have actually you seen had Tangerine this year. That's all done I on have. Yeah, yeah. And it was insane. Yeah. The quality of the films are insane. So I really hesitated on putting this on the list only because of the quality of the movie. But ultimately it won me over because I thought that this was a perfect example of coming onto the scene with a unique voice and a unique perspective in movies and really hitting it out of the park in your first go around. And it also introduced two of the most recognizable <laughs> characters in the pop culture zeitgeist. It put out Jay and Silent Bob. Which any movie that puts out Jay and Silent Bob when it's first outing deserves to be on the list. This is my chance to refute your position yeah, of this it. on the list. Yeah, please And do. I'm not going to. Perfect. I I love, it. I love that this is on your list. Um, I wish that I had had the foresight to have it on mine. I think it got edged out. But no, I agree with you. I can't say, I can't tell you, uh, I've probably used the phrase, I'm not even supposed to be here today, at least a hundred times. So exactly. I, I think Clerks is fantastic. It's a directorial debut. It shows vision. It shows style. It shows forethought. It shows technical ability. Sure. Yeah, it was just, it was beautiful. And filmed on the budget that it was filmed, it couldn't have been done better, in my opinion. So, yeah, this is normally where I would refute you and tell you that that shouldn't be on the list. But you can't, it fit, but I so won't. I, I won't, and I can't, so it's I'm not so going good. to. All right, well, so, in that case, since you're not going to refute it, why don't you tell me what your number five is? Okay, my number five is I had to start with this one because I felt like it had to be on the list. Okay. Uh, and honestly, this one I struggled with because it doesn't technically meet every single one of the criteria, but it does meet most of them. My my number five, Citizen Kane. Okay. So, and here's here's my, here's yeah, my reasoning. Because if you think about it, the films that followed, I mean, Citizen, uh, Orson Welles' other films, you got, like, The Magnificent Ambersons, you got Othello, The Trial, it's a fantastic, Touch of Evil, which is one of the better right. that's ever been done. And Citizen Kane has gone down, not only as a part of the zeitgeist sure. and the film canon, but almost as a pinnacle of it, to see what someone from the outside is able to come and do, and the way that he's able to think beyond what is currently done in film, sure. to tell a story that really no one had ever told before right. with experience that he didn't have. Right. And honestly, it's Citizen Kane. Like, it kind of needs to be on almost any list. Who goes from convincing the world the aliens are attacking on the radio right, sure. to writing and directing Citizen Kane sure. right out of the gate? You don't do it. I mean, You, I, you don't do it. I definitely understand that. And I, I agree. Here's my chance to say what I think of your choice. <laughs> and here's what I think about it. While a fantastic film, I have fallen asleep in it at least six times. And that's why I'm not necessarily saying it shouldn't be on there, because Six Sleeps says... All right, there may be something here that I haven't Six discovered Sleeps yet. tells me you're just not trying hard enough. I mean, that's true. Is that's what true. I'm hearing. Um, but yeah, it had to be on my list. It, it was going to be on there somewhere. It is a killer one, and I don't think that there would be a single person out there that would refute that it's a good film. And to be a directorial debut. Yeah. That's yeah. like that's like doing the most impossible magic trick your first outing. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> It really is. I mean, and I know that it wasn't his first book, but it'd basically be like saying, well, you know, 
I didn't really like Moby Dick, so it's not a great book. It's like, yeah, it's a great book. It's right. an epic. It may not be the most enjoyable thing sure, that's out there, sure. and, I'm, and I'm not going to lie. Citizen no, okay. Kane, not the most enjoyable right, film sure, sometimes. Sure, sure, sure. But man, is it good. Right. And I wish it was higher on the list, but as you'll right. see, there's no way it could have been. No, I mean, the, that's the rest that I've got. That's totally fair. So to take it, we'll take it up a notch. Yeah. To number literally four. a notch. Literally one notch, one louder than the last one. Hold um, on while I drink my fire whiskey. Yeah, feel free. When you broadcast live from the writer's room, if there's not alcohol in the room, you're not doing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, right. right. That's it. You so. can't argue with that just like you can't argue with my number five. Done. You probably might be able to argue with my number four, but I don't think you'll be able well, to. Well, let me hit you with my number four. I'd love and it. See, and see what you say. So I've got number four. All right. Ready for this? Yes. Saw James Wan. I almost wanted to say boo, but I'm going to wait to hear All your right. explanation. And here's why. So once again, obviously you can tell by my number five pick that I have a soft spot for people who make impressive things out of nothing. Right. Out of, who turn a nickel into 15 cents, you know? Um, is that a thing? Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> Thank you. Is that a saying that people say? I'm going to turn a penny into a chicken feather. <laughs> right, that's how it works, right? Yeah. All right, so here, here's kind of the deal. This guy came onto the scene making a horror movie, all right? And while horror movies may not necessarily be regarded as amazing cinematic feats. Which is a blasphemy. Which is way. crazy. He made something super impressive with his first outing. He made something that had an impressive twist. It had a very well edited and specific to that director style that has been aped non-stop since then. Oh my then. goodness. So I can't times. tell you how many times Just I've seen... Just sequels alone. Oh yeah, which he wasn't involved in <laughs> no. in a bunch of ways, but people were like, hey, this is so good, I'm going to make it like 11 more times, I think. Also, he, much like Kevin Smith and Clerks, created a character that also entered into the world of pop culture in Jigsaw. He created a horror villain in his first outing that the other day I saw a Jigsaw costume for sale at, at some sort of like... <laughs> right Aid or something of that They're nature. everywhere. Right. Everywhere. And I thought to myself, I was like, this guy was sitting in his basement somewhere. I don't know if he was actually sitting in his basement, but he may have been, you know, sitting in like the Taj Mahal. I don't know. But he was writing this and he was saying, you know what? I got this idea for this character that I think people may like. I don't know. And it burst onto the scene and people identified with it and were scared of it. And for that, I've got to take my hat off to a guy who can once again create a character that just has been just so accepted by culture as, you know, something important. Right. All right, so go ahead and tell me why that's not right. Personally, I love the soft film, okay. personally. I remember when I first saw it, and there were security guards and policemen outside of the door of the theater checking IDs after you bought the ticket sure. because the movie was too horrifying to see if you were below the age of 15. Or that's so. how I remember like that. Old, like, I remember that vivid, vividly. Yeah. Um, I love that movie. I don't know if I can agree that it needs to be on the top five. Yeah, tell me why. It's a directorial oh, thing. I'm having such a tough time telling you. Why not? But tell me, look me in my face and tell me why my choices are wrong. That's <laughs> oh, a good choice. Damn it. I can't help that I know good things. It's a good choice. I want to say that it didn't establish enough of a style to go forward. But look but at that's not true either. Conjuring. You know, the Fast and Furious, they did eat, it was very similar. I'll tell you what, <laughs> they had a deleted scene that I heard is going to be on the Blu-ray of Jigsaw putting Vin Diesel in one of those traps. 
And the studio was like, come on, man. <laughs> this is a car movie for car people. Right. So they want to see car things, not a head explosion. They want to see bros <laughs> and car things, <laughs> right. not a head explosion. Right. Man, I want to say that it can't be on the list because I don't think James Wan has done enough afterward. And that's and the re- when you see the rest of my list, you'll understand what I'm talking about. When okay. I say enough afterwards, so I'll do my second one. I was about to say enough with the like the tip. Give me the whole thing. Like, let's okay. go. So my number four, oh, yep. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf by Mike Nichols. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Mike Nichols was basically basically a stand-up yep. at, at the time that he did this. So he came in, and first off, let's talk about what he followed it up with, since, yeah, I, since I use that as a critique against James Wan. Please do, because I have no idea. Go for it. Okay, Mike Nichols, the graduate, Ooh, yeah. Catch-22, oh, okay. Carnal Knowledge, oh. Working Girl, yep. Regarding Henry, Oh, the birdcage. And I'm spent. Primary colors. All right. Closer. Yeah. Charlie Wilson's war, and that's just up through the early aughts. That's kind of that's a stupid filmography. That's a great stupid movies. filmography. Yeah. So Mike Nichols out of the gate takes this stage play and establishes through black and white cinematography, yep. which at the time when this came out. Sure. Was unheard of because color was just getting wide use. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to, for him to revert back to black and white to do a contained stage play, super crazy yeah. on your first album. Crazy. And so for it to defy all the expectations of him being a first time satirist writer to write and direct this or adapt and direct this, black and white cinematography in the era of color sure. in a dialogue based stage play. Right. He had all those odds against him, and it has become a signature part right. of film study. Right. Like, you have to watch it. Right. Not only was he able to take it and make it entertaining for two hours or so, and it is, but he gets the best performance of Elizabeth Taylor's career. Right. An established actress, and this satirist comes in and directs her to the performance that's in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. How many times do you hear Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf mentioned when you talk about film critique, film study, film writing? Well, any time that I'm interviewing people in the break room at my office, they tell me all the time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Probably Jigsaw. Right. Who's Afraid sure. of Virginia yeah. Woolf. He is, and which is why my is higher on the list than yours. Here's what I just came to the realization of. My movies, <laughs> Don't backpedal now. Uh, no, no, no. Stand hold by on. your list. So, no, I stand behind it. I'm just pointing out the ridiculous differentiation between you and I. I don't even know if that's a word. Is that, is that a word? Differentiation? Sure. Why not? Sounds good. I like All right, it. I'm going to use it. And you know what? It's on a podcast now, so it's real. It's All right. It is a real word. But what I'm starting to realize is like if somebody were to be like, so what do you think of, you know, Richard Linkletter's Slacker as like a movie regarding teenage angst uh, and and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, but have you seen Varsity Blues? <laughs> because but I'll tell hey, you what, James Vanderbeek did not want his dad's life. He did not want his dad's life. <laughs> but I mean, Varsity Blues, pretty good movie. It is a pretty good movie. <laughs> and it, I'm going to be honest, it had a whipped cream bikini. Yeah, that's all I really remember. I know. As the fact that it was my teenage James years. Vanderbeek made me sad. But. Right, that is true. So I'm going to go ahead and run up to my number three. Okay. All right. We're getting into the big dogs now. These are. Like, five and four this are the ones like, that are like, they're, they're good on the top five. Right. But three to Two, one. One. Blast off. Blast off. Uh, all right. So here we go. Number three, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Henry Selleck. Uh, okay. 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 And here's my reasoning. Now, I'm going to go ahead and stand on my soapbox. So give me a second while I step and up I, on I'll, top of it. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to grab my whiskey, and I'm going to let you talk. Please do. I am an unabashed fan of stop-motion animation. Of course. Hands down. <laughs> the art style is mind-blowing to me. The patience 
and the time that it takes to create something like that blows me away. Also because I lose patience in like 2.5 seconds. And so for me to make one of those, it would have to be maybe one second long. So first off, that's amazing. Second off, a lot of people mistake this movie for a Tim Burton film. While heavily influenced by Tim Burton's artwork, it was lensed by Henry Selleck. Mm -hmm. And Henry Selleck, I don't feel, gets the credit that he needs to get for that movie. I would agree with you on that. It's kind of one of those that is established as a Tim Burton film sure. inaccurately. And now, granted, it, w it was birthed from his mind, sure. from the loins of his brain, sure. if you will. Sure, sure. Um, he exposed it upon the world in a brilliant way. But you're right. Uh, that director doesn't get enough credit. And to say why he's on my list. So basically, his follow-up movies, he has a very distinct style. He followed up with James and the Giant Peach. Love it. He directed. He followed up with Monkey Bone, <laughs> which, for me, is a... It, it doesn't get the praise that it should. Oscar-worthy performance from Frasier. <laughs> Oscar-worthy. Brendan <laughs> is at the top of his game. That is I true. Don't know if he it, really was. <laughs> it, it, I don't know if it can stand up to um, Call of the Wild. Is that the one that he was in, yeah, all the animals yeah with all the animals, the talking animals. I don't know if we can stand up to that, but it's top tier Brendan Fraser. And so he helped to found a studio called Leica Animation. Which Leica is one of my, they don't do anything poor. But here, here's the deal with them. Here's the bone that I have to pick with the Leica. Monkey and bone? if they want to reach out to me, then, you know, fine. All right, All right you have a monkey I, bone to pick I, with them. I do have a monkey bone to pick with them. They, he left the studio. Mm. Okay, and he went off to do his own thing, and they have continued to ape his animation style. Look at Box Trolls, beautiful, but looks like a Henry Selleck movie. It does Paranorman, fantastic, looks like a Henry Selleck movie. And here's kind of here's kind of my argument. I think this director has a style, a very definitive cinematic voice, and that's why if he's not going to get the recognition by all the Joe Blows on the street, he's going to get the recognition on my list. On the high five, the podcast list. Because everyone knows this is the most important list that's ever existed. It is. It is. This top five is going to be the best top five. So you look me in my eyeballs and you tell me why Henry Selleck does not deserve to be on my list. He does deserve to be on oh! my list. Oh, uh, I love I you. might push back and say that there are other directorial debuts that are better because while his influence carried on in mm -hmm. the studio, he didn't personally direct a huge string after that. That's, Cor that's Coraline? Can I throw out Coraline? Oh, uh, yes. Coraline is fantastic. Okay. It's so good. Okay. I love all the, uh, the Leica stuff. Okay. It, it's fantastic. I, I Like I said, I, I think it deserves to be on the list. Let's just scrap the list and just list Claymation animated movies <laughs> for the rest of this. If you see Anna Melissa, we'll talk about yeah. it on the list. <laughs> fantastic. Okay. No, I, like I said, I like that one. I'm not going to dispute it at all. All right. Um, I'm feeling good. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm feeling good too. Uh, so moving on to number three. Please. You ready for this? No. I don't think you're ready. I'm not. Okay. But I'm willing you think to you accept can handle it. this. Yes. Okay. Well, you've got 99 problems, but number three ain't one. What? What? I don't know. You're right. Okay. It's not one. <laughs> That's, That's not correct. One. That is an accurate statement. Blood simple. Ooh! It almost made my list. Almost? How can it almost make your list? It's blood simple. So tell it's me why. Beginning. Tell me why. Okay. It's the beginning of the Coen brothers. Yeah. Now, granted, only Joel directed it. Right. Which is one of the reasons I struggled with it because it's not technically a Coen Brothers film. It's a Coen film. But it established a tone. It established a directing style. It established a 
presence that that director, that Joel has of getting fantastic performances out of his actors, and it established their style of creating a genre-specific sense of a story that completely escalates from a human poor decision. That's everything that they do following that. I mean, I don't even have to list them, but other Coen Brothers movies, Raising Arizona, sure. Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, Fargo, Lebowski, Brothers, No Country. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and I'm super excited about their new one coming out with George Clooney. The, oh, Hail Caesar? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I want to so see that good. too. So, I mean, to, to have a list like this with directorial debuts, there's no way Coen Brothers can't be on there. Because Blood Simple, have you seen Blood Simple? I it have, yeah. Br- Brilliant. It is. A it is so good. Um, I mean, man, so many of their signature traits are evident in that movie. And while it wasn't just the gi- gigantic critical box office success that some of these others that are on my list are, right. there's no way that that's not in my top five. Just because one, personally love the Coen Brothers. Two, the Coen Brothers are some of the best directorial forces that we have in the industry today. And to start off so strong with Blood Simple, a narrative the surgical-like scene placement, it's easily number three on my list. All right, I'm going to refute it. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to refute it because I'm pissed that I didn't put it on my list. <laughs> All right? So it sucks and doesn't belong on your list because it's not on my list. Because it's not on your list? But, I mean, how good is it? It should have been on your list, It right? is fantastic. Yeah. And I'm honestly starting to feel sad that it's <laughs> not because I want to just, like, wave hands at you that you did so amazingly for choosing that film. So yeah. thank you. At least it got to be on one of our lists, and I'm not going to refute that. You're it, very welcome. It is a fantastic film. And like I said, when we get to three, two, and one, character. it's just, it's fun all around, because these are the best of the best. These are the best of the best. And speaking of best of the best, uh, let's let's get to finishing my list, because okay. it's the best, so, you know. <laughs> um, number two, Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> okay, okay. Right. Uh, defend yourself. Okay, now here's the deal. So, Quentin Tarantino wrote before this movie. Right. Okay. But for me, this was his first, well, in general, not just for me, for everyone, this is the first time that he kind of got to take command of his style of gritty, comedic, gross characters. Right. Which he's been known for. It was also a perfect example of pulling from genres that he unabashedly loves. I mean, (laughs) clearly he loves pulp, he loves exploitation movies, that's evident in everything that he does. Um, But he he made something that kind of shocked me as it didn't feel like it was aping any of those things. Mm -hmm. It felt like it loved them, and it it was an open love letter to those genres, but done in a way that was his, you know, my view on those. Mm -hmm. And so that was impressive. Also, I feel like um, he really also, much like the Coen brothers, kind of showed what an ensemble cast can do. Right. Uh, Came out of the gate with heavy hitters, some impressive actors in really quirky, weird roles, and everyone feels like they shine in that movie. No one kind of feels lost to me. So that was super impressive. And... Much like I set out at the top of my list saying that I chose directors who have continued to hone this specific style, I feel like every movie of his that has followed has followed kind of this dynamic. So boom. Boom. Goes the dynamite. Okay. 
Well, let me follow that up. You know very well that Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorite mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. on this planet mm-hmm. for what he's done. I'm actually going to I'm going to support your position 100% that that deserves to be on this list. Yeah, I, I can't even refute it okay. because it's so good. So, yeah, you want enough. me to do my number 2? Please. Okay, my number 2. Reservoir Dogs. So good. I can't believe that that happened. I was waiting for that to happen. Oh. That is. That makes I me, love that it's not even yeah. on our both of our lists. It's the same. It number is the same number on, on both, both of our, our lists. lists. So I'm just gonna agree with you yeah. in what you said because I agree. Quentin Tarantino came out of the gate. No one on the face of God's green earth sure. can tell me that Quentin Tarantino does not have a distinct style. It may not be your preferred style. There are people that don't like what he does, but you cannot tell me that you can't pick up aspects of Quentin Tarantino's style. The of witty course. dialogue, playing with time, character archetypes where you know, characters in the movie represent larger archetypical characters, over-the-top violence, Michael Madsen. You know, all the Quentin Tarantino staples right. of right. a movie sure. are in this film. I mean, it's beautiful. It's so good. When I was researching this movie, did you know that when he was 18, Michael Fassbender adapted a stage version of Reservoir Dogs as one of his first public I was not outings. aware of that. He, he adapted and directed a stage play of Reservoir Dogs when he was 18. Michael what? Fassbender. Yeah. This is a thing? Like This, this is, is a, a real, real thing? thing that happened. If I were to Google check you right now, that would I check w- out? I hope you do Google check me right now, because I've got a lot of my beer to finish, and I want you to Google check me. All right, it I'm going to Google real check thing. Let's do this. Here we go. You can Google, Google check it. while I keep talking, because I mean, Quentin Tarantino, to follow that up with Pulp Fiction, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, as you know, Jackie Brown. Kill Bill and Glorious Bastards, the new Hateful Eight. Every single thing that he has put out has in some way made me appreciate film more. Hey, Jay. Yeah? Just so you know, that's a real thing. I know, it's a real thing, Q. That's a real thing. Google confirms that that is indeed a real thing. Anyone listening to our conversation should right now Google search Michael Fassbender directs Reservoir Dog stage play. Yeah, I agree. Because it is a fantastic story. There are interviews with him talking about it. Do you know what I wish I could find? A video of it. Oh man, I would watch that stage play all day long. How much would you kill for that? Oh, so many. I I would kill like 40 puppies. 40? Puppies? Puppies? I mean, why? I mean, I understand that. You know what? I support that so I would, I would say 40 puppies and a cat and a cat just one cat just for just minute. one <laughs> so yeah uh reservoir belongs on the list uh i i can't think of a better way to debut yourself with a voice with a style with just an attitude that quentin did and he hasn't backed off from that since then not at all even you said you just watched uh hateful eight and it's fantastic and it is very reservoir dogs ish i'm super excited to see it i mean it it looks fantastic but i'm excited because you are so right. You're right in that he has a vision that is irrefutable and it has continued through his career. So uh, here we are. Uh, that awkward moment. The where, number one. Uh, we're both about to just number you know, one really on show each list. other. I at no point doubted myself. So here we go. Then let's hear your stupid number one. <clears throat> My stupid number one is Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. Mm. okay. I'm just going to extra. Mm. Alright, here's why. Edgar Wright, absolutely, hands down, one of the most unique voices working in Hollywood today. Period. 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 I will drop the mic on that. Not literally, because that would hurt both of our ears. (laughs) 
But I have no qualms about putting out there that Edgar Wright is one of those people who has kind of taken Hollywood and made it his own. I can go to a theater, I can watch a movie. I watched a movie recently that at one point was an Edgar Wright film and then became not an Edgar Wright film. Do you know what film I'm We watched about? that film together. We did. We did, we did indeed. Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man. And you cannot tell me that when you left there, you're like, hmm, this kind of felt a little bit like an Edgar Wright film. I, I can't tell you that because you were with me and you heard me say that. I know. I know. That's right. why I was inviting so you. That's to a exactly. Exactly. Just a I set you up and I'm wearing a wire. So <laughs> just so you know, I don't have to tell you if I'm a police officer. So for me, he came out blazing. He took, a, much like Quentin Tarantino, took a genre that was, that he loved in zombie films and he, at the same time, paid great homage to it, but also made something that was uniquely his. Comedic, grotesque, suspenseful, and he started off one of the greatest trilogies of <laughs> all time. I would agree. And I will also put that out there. One of the greatest trilogies of all time. I would agree. Um, I, I'm angry at you, okay. because I didn't have Edgar Wright on my list. Ugh. And I I'm should angry have had, at you because you and didn't. I should have had Edgar Wright on you my sh- list. You should have because um, at been least like an honorable mention. Yeah. If nothing else. Anywhere. Man, that's a good movie. Yeah. Man, that's a good it movie. It is a good movie. Man, I, some I may love say Shaun of the Dead. I could un- watch that. I could watch that movie any day of the week. Some may say a number one movie. Some may say <laughs> you said <laughs> I I did. Movie. Yeah. Do you want me to say my my number one movie? I guess if you have to. You can you can say as many nice things as you want about right. Edgar Wright. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. But if you take Edgar Wright, put him against my number one, All right. and I think me and Edgar will get along. All right. But it just can't stand. All right. It can't stand. You want to talk about unique voice? Oh, Lord. My, my number one's got it. Oh, you want to talk about a style? Yes. My number one's got it. You want to talk about out of the gate strong? Stronger than it should have been. My number one's got it. You want to know my number one? Please. Lay it on me. Eraserhead by David Lynch. You disgust me. I know I do. And that movie disgusts everyone, and it's beautiful. <laughs> that is true. So when we're thinking of David Lynch, you know, obviously the first thing that comes to a lot of people's minds is Twin Peaks. You got the revival coming up. So good. Uh, Elephant Man. Yes. Blue Velvet. Yes. Mulholland Drive. So much, yes. The best guest starring run on Louie ever. So when you think of David Lynch, there is nothing that you think of besides style. No. He's a weird dude with crazy Kramer hair who makes David Lynch movies. Yes. That's it. It's so so encapsulated in our canon, in our society, and in our film study that there's a term called Lynchian. That is because true. Because of it. You are right. And uh, let me go through my reasons of why Eraserhead's number one. One, David Lynch. It started yeah. his career, which should be enough, but That's I fair. didn't even stop there. It was a student film. What? what? It was a student movie. Not only that, is that it exemplifies the exact tone and style and feel yep. of what would be David Lynch's career. Now, aside from that, let's just take David Lynch out of the picture and talk about some of those other criteria. Yeah, it wasn't a worldwide financial success, but as a quality of film, the settings that Lynch set up, the way that he laid out the sets – 
the mise-en-scene, the way everything looked together. The what? The mise-en-scene is everything, how it's laid out in the scene to tell that story. So when he's in the industrial parks, when he's in the people's homes, and there's things on the shelves, there's things on the walls that kind of help... I like that. Create I'm that use that is, word. So if I'm like, hey, I like where we're recording. It has a good mise-en-scene. Mise yeah, what you see in the scene that tells the story. I like that. But outside of that... I like your fancy words. You know, one of the criteria <laughs> was influence. Uh-huh. So when you think of Eraserhead, when you look and dive into Eraserhead, the influence that it had was crazy. Outside of just film style. Lynch did all the sound work and sound editing with another guy, Alan Splett, something like that. But that was so admired, it was so good that it inspired Stanley Kubrick to use the same style of sound design in The Shining. Sure. So the ambient noises, the industrial sounds in The Shining came from Eraserhead. The design of the film influenced Alien, Darren Aronofsky's Pie, which is another great directorial debut, Terry Gilliam's Brazil, and even Barton that's, Fink that's from a design. Of all time. Oh, they're fantastic. And they're all influenced by Eraserhead, which was a student film by David Lynch. There's no way that any other movie can be number one on this list except for that movie. And now, I love Edgar Wright. And also Edgar Wright. It was... I love Edgar Wright, but he's not number one on this list. You know what I'm saying? Right is right. <laughs> right just feels right. You know? It just feels I Edgar think I'm going right. to get a, a bumper sticker that says that. <laughs> right is right. See, I wish I could do that with David Lynch. It doesn't work yeah, with David like Lynch. Yeah, Lynch. it's like Lynch. It's like Lynch raises finches. Right. Is that a thing? No. It should be. It is now. I would now. love it if David Lynch. Well, I'm going to start a rumor. David right. Lynch raises finches just I because they rhyme with his last name. You know what? You know what I heard the other day when I was perusing the interwebs? Was that? I heard that David Lynch raises finches. I heard that too. Yeah. I heard that too. You know? Hashtag Lynch Finch. Yeah. Hashtag Lynch Finch. So, so that's my that, list. That's, that's it. it. So my top five, just to, just to recap. Yeah, please do. Number five, back. Citizen Kane by Orson Welles. Number four, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf by Mike Nichols. Number three, Blood Simple by Joe Cohen. Number two, Reservoir Dogs by Quentin Tarantino. And number one, Eraserhead by David Lynch. All fantastic choices. So let's roll back through my list. Yes. I've got at number five, Clerks, Kevin Smith. I've got number four, Saw, James Wan. Number three, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Henry Selleck. Number two, well, the same as your number <laughs> Reservoir two. Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino. And my number one pick of Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright. You know what I propose? And, you know, if this happens, I should just put it out there that this should happen. I think Edgar Wright and David Lynch should co-direct a movie together. And that way, it could be the Edgar Wright and David Lynch directorial debut. And that would merge our two lists in a beautiful, disturbing baby that lives in a radiator. I would and watch... also hunt zombies. I would watch that quippy, disgusting movie any day of the week. I would as well. And it I would be a fantastic I think film. that would be a great movie, and I, I put it out there in the ether that this is a thing that should happen. All right. Lynch, right? You guys get together. You've got to put this movie together. Yep. Um, I think it's fantastic. I like your list. I like my list better. I'm hoping that if anyone's listening to us and you have, they have a list of their own, you can actually email that to us at my five at highfivethepodcast.com because I definitely want to hear what other people's top five directorial debuts are because I want to know how dumb our listeners Yeah, are. I just want to just take a giant dump on their list. <laughs> That's what like I'm excited Exactly for. my list. And maybe next time that we record, we'll have some emails and we can we can put some people's feet I to agree. the fire. So this is the part where we get together and much like in our synopsis that we told people about, we would play games to put our shattered friendships together. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play some games but 
But first, I think we need to take a break for our sponsored content from our worthy sponsors. Let's do it right now. Come on down to the fight store. We'll punch you in the face. You want to get part of the fights? Yes, you do. And you know what it costs? A buck oh five. Come on down. We're off Highway 69. You know you want to fight. You want to fight? Come on down to the fight store. Let's go. Bro, do you even fight? No. Oh, goodness. It's Gizzle Wizzle's Horseradish Fizzies. Gizzle Wizzle's Horseradish Fizzies. Gizzle Wizzle's Horseradish Fizzies. They're delicious and also super spicy. Gizzle Wizzle Horseradish Fizzles. You know you want it in your mouth. Gizzle Wizzle Horseradish Fizzies. You're going to eat it until you puke. Gizzle Wizzy's Horseradish Fuzzles. <laughs> That's not even the name. Guzzle Wieners Horseradish Fuzzles. We've eaten so many we forgot who we are. I can't taste my tongue. Everything is burning. Guzzle Wizzles Horseradish Fizzies. Come and get some or not. Fizzies! Hey, do you have an unclaimed high school gym locker? You can come on down to the unclaimed high school gym locker store. Are you looking for old towels? How about sweaty tube socks? Maybe a jock strap or a chemistry textbook? It's like that suitcase store at the airports, but for high school shit. Yeah, and stuff you don't care about. You know, crusty shoes. And it only costs $500. You want Terry Bismarck's used porno stash? Would you like a mirror that just says how emo you are? Do you want a broken blocker shelf that's got stickers from Backstreet Boys on it? Do you have a picture of Britney Spears before the head shaving? Do you have a hairbrush full of unused hair? Do you have a mechanical pencil that you don't know where it came from? Do you have notes to a test that you're not even in class for? Do you have a cat skeleton? Then come on down to Unclaimed High School Gym Locker Store. You'll find treasures that you never wanted. Ooh, and welcome back. From we are back. Commercial break. It was good, good for you? It was good. It was good. It was good for me, too. So now, we're reaching the bottom of our fire eater cinnamon liqueur. And you know what that means. It's game time. It is indeed game time. It is time to get our game on. And the game we are playing this evening is called The Pitch. I love The Pitch. The Pitch, for those who don't know, is a game where we take a random movie title drawn from our trusty hat here, and we take a random genre also drawn from our trusty hat here, and we put the two together in a way that is usually not seen or heard. A revisioning, if you will. Absolutely. And we repitch this movie as its new, and I say, improved version. I agree. Are you ready to pick our movie? Yeah, let's pick the movie. Let's do it. What have you got? For tonight's pitch... I have Cinematic Treasure, Cannibal Holocaust. Fantastic. And as our genre, I have (laughs) Stoner Comedy. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Cannibal Holocaust as a stoner comedy. All right. So let's uh, let's get ready to pitch. The catcher lays down the signals. Here's the pitch. Curveball low and outside. He's... So, all right, Mr. Producer, I have the movie that will save your struggling studio. Here's the idea. We've got several grad students on a trip to the Amazon to film what may be the first viewing of an indigenous tribe. But, before they get on the plane, they have three pounds of wacky tobacco. You know what I mean, the marijuana. And they get super high. So imagine 
super bad or Pineapple Express meets Hostel. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to watch that, right? right? So you've got blood, <laughs> you've got gore, you've got pot, and you've got Seth Rogen. I'm just saying, when these when these tribesmen get a smoke of this toke, they end up with a severe case of the human munchies. So James Franco <laughs> meets indigenous cannibals yes. and teaches them how to roll the perfect joint. And then when they get super high, they go on all sorts of wacky adventures. Like eating Seth Rogen alive. <laughs> because he's a Jew. Yes, and it's the and Holocaust. Also slightly meaty. <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. Come or Cannabis Holocaust. <laughs> Starring Will Smith and also Will Sasso coming to a theater near you. Next 420. (laughs) Yeah. And sadly, that brings us to the end of this week's High Five. As always, thanks to my co-host Jay and to you, the High Fivers out there. We'll be back in two weeks with another list. But in the meantime, be sure to email us any of your lists or questions to myfive at highfivethepodcast.com. And as they say in the movies, that's a wrap. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here. You made it to the end of the podcast. And guess what? There's a little something at the end of the credits. And for those of you that didn't make it, go five yourself. Welcome to Lieutenant Nero's underwater go-karts. You want go-karts underwater? They don't work well, but they're wet. Guess what? Exhaust doesn't work 20,000 leagues down. This isn't Governor Nero's underwater go-karts. This is Lieutenant Nero's underwater go-karts. He's a top-ranking official in Atlanta. You've heard of him. You know things about him. You like go-karts. You also like Lieutenant Nero. Go-karts! Come on down and race a car today. Underwater. You'll drown. Now, many of you out there at the Home Shopping Network may have heard about this next product, but to really experience it, you've got to come on down to our studio. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about drinks. We buy your used beverages. You've got a Sprite that you didn't finish? Send it on down to drinks. You got a Coke that's not all the way done? Someone else will take it. You got a root beer that's more root than beer? Give it to somebody else. You got a Gatorade with extra backwash? Somebody would love to wash in that. Drinks! Come on down. We buy your used beverages. You've seen the blind spot. You've seen the X Factor. You've probably seen some other shows that I could name. But you've never seen Badass Barista, The Grande Escape. It's better than a tall. It's more grande than a small. But don't you dare call it a medium, motherfucker. Because it's badass. It's grande. It'll serve you shit till your brain explodes. It's like a prison movie, but about coffee. Yeah, and when someone walks in to place an order, that barista smacks him in the face. Because that barista is played 
by Terry Crews. <laughs> his, pink, his pinks dance until you don't want coffee anymore. Terry Crews arrested on an unrelated coffee charge. Have you ever been so carbonated and caffeinated and also other nateds that you can't even think straight? Wrongly imprisoned for 45 years. Coming out in 2019. Cuss the whistles fizzies. <laughs>